Welcome to another episode of Business Brews and BS. I'm your host, John Adams, with my colleague, Audwin Newman. Audwin, say hello to the audience. Yo! We are uh, uh, recording today from BrewLink uh, down on Capitol and uh, between 7th and 8th in downtown Indianapolis. Uh, was this their first location? Their first location was Plainfield. Okay. Yep. All right. I didn't know which one came first, whether it was this one or whether it was Plainfield. Yep. They just opened this up like three months ago. Okay. All right. And you, this location used to be, you were just saying? Two Deep Brewery. Okay. All right. Didn't make it? Nope. So uh, it's hard not hard not to make it as a brewery right now. Yeah. Um, Amen. I mean, there, there's been a few. We had we had the, the one in uh, Brownsburg that set up there behind uh, John Force Racing. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is Indiana... Um, oddly enough, is uh, per capita, we got one of the largest counts of microbrews per capita in the U.S. It, it feels like it. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, but it, what it does is, you know, competition always always drives improvement. And it does. Uh, you can have good beers, but if you don't have a great one, you're yeah. not you're not going to make it. Yeah. Um, and and that's uh, I, I, that goes true for a lot of businesses. Yeah. You know, yeah. a good artist. Yeah. Is going to starve. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of good starving art, you know. But you got to be a great artist to make a living at it. Yeah, um, which of course you are. Well, I try to be. Yeah, you do a good job. <laughs> um, but it, it just—that's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing about uh, uh, entrepreneurship. Um, I, I think that's what a, a lot of people mentally mm-hmm. um, struggle with is they they don't feel. Like they're good enough, yeah, to make it, yeah, um, which is true for some people, um, but I think a lot of people, I, I, I think that's what separates the uh, the true um, entrepreneurs from those who I don't want to say start and fail, yeah, um, because there's a lot of different reasons business fail. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been businesses with great products that have failed. Um, but I think it's just that it's the drive of believing you're good enough, even though you may not be. Yeah. Um, and forcing yourself to continue to improve to get good enough. Yeah. You know, uh, fake it till you make it type deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, it's the confidence. You know, we talked a little bit about last time with, with Derek of, you know, you got to you got to have that confidence in what you do to believe that you're good enough. Yeah. Um, and, and that's hard. That's hard for a lot of people to do. And it's, you know, some people equate it with arrogance, but it's not. I don't I don't equate it with arrogance. Yeah. Um, I equate it with more of just I know that I'm going to push and drive and not quit. And I may not be good enough now, but yeah. I'm going to drive and I'm going to work at it and I'm going to learn what's going to make me good enough. Yeah. And I'm not going to accept failing until I've learned I'm good enough. Yeah. And it's easy to say. It's easy to say. There's a lot of outside. There's a lot of people over the past year that were good enough, that had the drive, that just circumstances due to COVID, pandemic, uh-huh. shutdowns, all this stuff that were forced out of businesses. Yeah. That's the sad part. Right. Of That's where we've, I think, long term, we've damaged ourselves as a little bit as an economy, as a country, yep. is we drove some people out yeah. of business yeah. that shouldn't have been driven out of business. And that, that were in, whatever their industry was, they were in it the right way for the right reasons, but 
there's so many myriad of things that affect you as a small business yep. every single day yep. that, you know, I, there were a lot of casualties that are really unfortunate. Yeah. They yep. really are. Yeah. And that, that's been the hardest thing as a business owner is when the government comes in and tells you mm-hmm. what risk yeah. Yeah. you can take. Yeah. And you can't, you no longer have that decision as an, because that, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's about risk. deciding what risk. Yeah. What risk you're willing to take mm-hmm. um, for the reward. Yeah. And when somebody comes in and dictates and says, hey, you can't take the risk. Yeah. Your government, your customers can't take the risk. Right. Um, we're deciding all of that for you. Right. Uh, that's hard to swallow in it what's is. supposed to be a, a free country. Yeah. Um, and I get it from a public health aspect. Yeah. True. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, that, it's that's a what, hard rubber meet the, meets the road equation. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs have struggled with over the past year is from from a public health standpoint. You get it. Mm-hmm. You get it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's there's families to feed, your own yep. family to feed. There's bills to pay. There's rent due. There's yep. you know, all of these other things that that don't stop. Yeah. Just because the government yeah. came in and said yeah. you can't be open. Yeah. You yeah. know. No. Um, and it, it just unfortunately, it, I think it put a lot of good businesses um, out of business. Yeah. And hopefully, those people uh, realize that it wasn't them. Yeah. And they get back into it. They yeah. jump back on the horse. But some of them will have been financially devastated, and they can't. Yeah. Um, some of them will have taken that hit to the confidence, and they yeah. won't recover. Yeah. Even though they were doing it right, mm-hmm. and under normal circumstances, they would have been successful. They would have had a good business. Yeah. But they never got to see that. Yeah. They never got to see that, and so they lose that confidence, and they go back to the corporate world. They go back to the job, whatever it yeah. is, and they they lose that some of that passion yeah. um, because they took a, a, a kick to the confidence. And, you know, we've talked about this. We've talked about it, you and I, personally for years. But, like, that that passion, that passion for being an entrepreneur, pursuing that goal, You don't, if you don't have passion for it, I don't, you could have the best idea in the world. But if you can't take a kick to the nuts on a regular basis... Yeah, it, it doesn't even matter. I mean, you you could have created the iPhone, but if you had no passion behind you to see it through to the end, yeah. you're over. So, you know, I, if if you had been through the struggles and reached a certain level of success, yeah, and then COVID hit, mm-hmm. and if it shattered your confidence, even though your business model was good and your product was good, it's hard to drum up the strength to go back into it if you lose your passion. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, you know, you're bringing up the, uh, you know, it just made me think of the, what would have happened? Where would we be? What would happen if, you know, the the week the iPhone was meant to launch, mm-hmm. COVID hits. Oh, stores don't open. What They're a- closed for months. Wow. All the marketing lead up to the iPhone dies off. The yeah. budget was spent. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. How does that affect it? What happens? That's a great question. What happens question. at that point? You can't get up to the stores. You can't buy it. Now, I guess you order it online. Yeah. You know, um, you, know you could shop online. But back when the iPhone came yeah. out, they, yep. that, wasn't, yeah. that wasn't the deal then. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how, how does that affect, you know, those sort of things? That'd you know, be, that's a great Twilight Zone episode. 
Black yeah. Mirror episode. Right, right. Because, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to play the what if on something like that. Like, what if this happened? And how do you compensate for this exception? Yeah. Obviously, COVID is a, a massive exception. Hell, it, it took us off doing the podcast for over a year. You know, yeah, um, yeah, and 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 I and I've, I've thought about this a lot. We didn't do the podcast, and I and I many times during the past year, I kept thinking, "Man, I wish we were doing the podcast." But I love the fact that, in hindsight, we can reflect back and talk about all the ups yeah. and downs that we went through during that time. Yeah. It would there were so things moved so fast. Yeah, there's no way you could capture it. Every week, every other week. Like, every week was a month. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, so, it, you know, being able to be on the flip side of it and still dealing with some aspects of COVID, but looking forward, mm-hmm. um, I think it's an awesome thing to be doing the podcast now and reflecting back over the past year. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's we're dealing with things now due to the, the pandemic that we weren't dealing with. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were dealing with government shutdowns. Yeah. We were dealing with those sort of things then, which, you know, um, we could have had podcasts on, but it, it was so different um, based upon your business and what you did to how it affected you. Um, you know, I mean, we shut down because, I mean, we, we shut down and furloughed employees for about a month and a half, um, two months maybe. Um, and... But it affected us different than it affected you. Right. Than it affected um, people in the in the restaurant yeah. The brewing. Yeah. You know, once once it kind of started to lift a little bit, um, you know, the remodeling world went crazy. Yeah. And we've been busy ever since. If you are a restaurant, yeah, you got crushed. Yeah. And you had to either you either went under yeah. or you had to learn how to create an entire business off of people picking up food yeah. out at your doorstep yeah. or DoorDash yeah. or delivering, you had to find a new way to yeah. make money. And you had and to make exist. that make that model on a dime. Like oh, they had to yeah. pivot immediately. Yeah. You didn't have time to, to set and do a business plan on it. And to think you had to decide this is this is what we can do. This is all we can do right now. Yeah. I have no idea if we're gonna make money on it. Yeah. And you know, so so in the future, um, you know, we, we need to get we need to get somebody on here that from the restaurant space, yep. you know, that can talk about some of those things because they dealt it or, or even, you know, music venues, those sort of things mm-hmm. dealt with it. And music venues dealt with it completely different than in restaurants yeah. because you can't, there's no curbside, right. you know, band's going to be inside on the stage, <laughs> come park out front, we'll open the windows, you can hear them. You couldn't do that curbside, right? you know, so they just literally shut down for a year. You know, they're just now starting to reopen. Um, and some of them are open different. You know, mm-hmm. I noticed that the Vogue is, they've booked some outdoor space. Yeah. And so some of their concerts now, they're going to be doing out, they're still promoted by the Vogue, they're yeah. on by the Vogue, but they're not going to be at the Vogue. Yeah. They're yeah. in an outdoor space. You know, so kudos to those guys for, for figuring that out. Thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the box. You know, concerts presented by the Vogue. Oh, by the way, it's not at the Vogue. <laughs> For all the old timers, it's like, wait, how does that work? Right. <laughs> New kids, they're like, oh, that sounds great. We'll yeah, just right. go wherever. Right. No, I think one of the guys will have, one of the guys I've met over the past month that I've had some great uh, dealings with and partnered with is um, 
his name's Bill Fricka, and uh, he owns like three restaurants in Broad Ripple. And so we'll, we're going to get him on. He's he's a great guy, and he's got lo- lots of stories. He's owned uh, bars in Broad Ripple for like twenty five years. Okay. So he's you know so he's he and been I through a lot of changes. Yeah, we you know and and he and I even talked about like pre COVID like what were the changes like. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sitting in a, a place that used to be the patio in Broad Ripple, and now it's his barbecue joint. And he was just like, it was all different. He's like, when we were down here, when we were like 26, 27, we were here. Mm-hmm. We were in the moment, and we were with our friends. And he's like, now if you walk through here at night, they're here, but they're kind of distracted. Like, they're here trying to make moments that they can post, and they're yeah. on their phones. And they're, he's like, they're together, but they're not together. Yeah. And it's, it's really, really fascinating. So, yeah. you know, we're going to have him on a podcast in the near future. Yeah. Um, he's down to do it. Um, and, you know, talking about businesses making it through the pandemic or not, I haven't even had a chance to tell you this. Um, Broad Ripple has a Books and Brews, which mm-hmm. we yeah. have talked about before, right. that just didn't make it. Didn't right. make it. I, I, I'm not sure if. I think the pandemic just gave them a good reason to fold that yeah. particular one up. Type right. Deal. And um, so it, maybe they should have changed it to textbooks and brews. <laughs> yeah, instead of yeah. so, uh, bought used textbooks, <laughs> get a beer. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, you know, and, and they didn't. So they've been closed for a better part of a year. Yeah. And, um, you know, you think about business models, you think about this square footage in this place we're in right now. Like, you need to earn revenue off of your square footage. Yeah. So if, if you have a square footage that's, whatever, it's 2,000 square feet, but you only make money off of 80 feet of your square footage, right. that's a hard business model yep. to maintain. Yep. And so here you are in Broad Ripple, literally 20 feet from the Monon Trail, next to uh, the Brew Pub, which is a brewery, and... You only make money off of 80 feet in your business. And so they went under, and um, long story short, through my friend Bill now and some connections, worked out a scenario to move the crafty animal to Broad Ripple. Really? Yeah, right off the Monon, take over the books and brews. That's awesome. And um, it's probably, if not the one of the highest foot traffic places you could be. Yeah, it's Broad Ripple, but it's not the Strip, right? So it's family friendly. I'm, I'm between the Brew Pub and Plump's Last Shot and Just Poppin' and Bricks Ice Creamery on the Mona. Nice. And um, it's a house that used to be a brewery. Yeah. And now it's a crafty animal. Awesome. And um, it's uh, gonna be a pop up, meaning it's, it's gonna last. So. The company that owns the real estate, they don't want it sitting vacant. Yep. And um, they're building a giant, giant, a four-story building behind it mm-hmm. and taking kind of a block. Yep. And they're going to keep that house, and then, like, a huge restaurant's going to come into that house and turn it into a, a whatever. Yep. Cunningham, Greek's Pizza, whatever. And uh, But in the meantime, they're like, hey, you want it. Yep. You know, this is what we need. Can you do it? Yes. Yeah. And and really, pop-up is just a new age word of test marketing. That's exactly right. 
And it's, so it's, it, a, it's a pop-up site. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ah, you're just test marketing. Yeah. You know. Yo, and, and, and we've had conversations say, hey, look, so they own half of Mass Ave and large portions of Broad Ripple. Mm-hmm. And so the whole conversation is like, look, past this, there's places. You know? Yeah. There are a lot of empty places right yeah. now. Yeah. Talking about COVID yeah. effects. So, you know, the the... The thing is that this was not the plan a month ago. Right. But when this came to me, when they came to me with this, I'd be insane not to follow up. Absolutely. On it. Absolutely, Absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm basically paying the same amount for this. That you're paying where you're at that now. I'm paying where I'm at right now. And no foot traffic. Where no you're at now. foot traffic and and being politically correct, demographically a different demographic. Yeah. You know, and so it, it's just it's such an amazing opportunity. Yeah, you know yeah. The, the place that I'm getting normally would would lease for six times what I'm paying. Yeah, and it's just I'm it's yeah. just fortuitous. They yeah. saw me on TV. They saw the product. They're like, hey, we like this guy. It's cool. Contact me through this guy. Let's nice. do it. Nice. Let's do it. Nice. You know. So, but again. Books and Brews is probably one of the first conversations we had about business because we were at their original location. Right. It was a bad opening. They survived it. And they started to franchise it. And you, your point about having a great beer. Yeah. You know, back then there were breweries, but there weren't as many as there are now. Mm-hmm. And so their beer's okay. Beer's yep. okay. Yep. But... I don't know if anyone would plant a flag and say, like you said about the Alabama beer that you yeah, had, right. I'd ship that from Indiana to Alabama. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, and then as far as a model, how much money are you bringing in per square foot? Yeah. You know, are, are you just making it off of the bar and, and some food that's not good? Yeah. People playing a game of chess and Monopoly, they're not really giving you a lot of revenue. Right. And yeah. so my whole plan, eventually my plan is to be able to have beer from all corners of Indiana and spirits, so like wine and yep. bourbon, yep. and have arts and craft. Yep. So kind of an art and ale kind of a thing. So that people are buying stuff from all the square footage yeah. and can have a beer that they want. Right. And, and sample beers from whether it be Muncie or Goshen or Gary yep. or Columbus or yep. whatever. You know, and, and so talking about this, it's it's great because it's what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur, which is as you grow your business, um, this this wasn't where you started, right? But as you grow, you have to you have to adapt. You yeah. see certain things in the market. You say, "Hey, this is I kind of like this. I think this could work. Hey, this has worked at this other place," and you adapt. Yeah. You adapt and you change. Um, always trying to find a better way. Yeah. A better way to drive a little bit more revenue, a better way to drive a little bit more foot traffic, yeah. a better way to drive, you know. So so one of the things that, that we're going through just, you know, today, um, got a call this morning from a vendor. Hey, I've got another customer that's got this, you know, construction business. They, you know, they've got a cabinet shop that kind of fills their construction business. They want to get rid of the cabinet shop. Are you interested? You know, we, we know you've, you've done an acquisition in the past. You're looking to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in talking. Wow. I have no idea what's there. 
but I'm interested in talking because you don't know. Yeah. You know, so I've already had a conversation with the guy. We've, we've you know, done the NDA, sent it off. Um, you know, and it's basically that. The guy's like, listen, I'm, I'm my own customer, really, right. eventually. You know, and he's like, but the headache of running two to dealing with it, um, it's not worth it. Um, this isn't my, it's not my core business. Right. It's, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know what's there, but we're going to look. And is there a way to adapt? Is there a way to change? Is there a way to fit it in? Are there opportunities there? Um, you know, we're going to take a look at it. We're going to take a look at it. And we're going to change, you know, yeah. if something's there and it's worth bringing in and making a change and a tweak. But that's what I think that's, that's what I think makes a really good entrepreneur is the ability to kind of change and to tweak your model and to understand what opportunities you're coming there that come your way and how to leverage them. Yeah. You know, I, I think when we've talked about people with it that have great ideas that have failed, um, I think that you can become so ingrained that your idea is so great. Yeah. And you're unwilling to change and adapt it that yeah. that is what makes you fail. Yeah. Not your idea, not that right. your idea wasn't good. Yep. Yep. You just were unwilling to adapt and change. Yeah. You know, and so kudos to you, man. That's a that's a killer opportunity. It's great that people see that, you know, and I think the other thing it does is as entrepreneurs, um, there's a certain mentality. If you think you're alone as an entrepreneur on an island, you know what? You you're wrong. You're, oh, just, yeah. you're just flat out wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've talked about this, of, of how when we made the shift from the corporate world to entrepreneurship, um, how that changed our perception of that that opening night at Books and Brews and then right. overcoming it. Yep. Um, because you... There's, there's a certain kinship. Now, there's a, you know, if you've got entrepreneurs that are competing against you, there's yeah. a competitive nature about it. You know, I get it. But overall, there's a certain understanding amongst entrepreneurs of what it takes. Yeah. And if you're successful, if you've built something, if it lasts, if you've grown it, other entrepreneurs, regardless of what the industry in, regardless of whether or not it has anything to do with what you do, yeah. They know what it takes. Oh yeah, they know the hard work. That's that's you can look them in the eye and you know that you guys yep. both know the same thing, yep. regardless of the discipline that you're you're both working in. And you know, for me, you know, it's an opportunity. One, obviously, it's a great place, great space. But it's like, what else can I do? What else can I do with it? Okay, let's yep. do some classes. I can yep. do some art classes. I can do some things to to help uh, uh, further the arts yep. in schools, in particular IPS and stuff like that. Right. Arts are the first thing to get cut now. Um, and then I thought, you know, people are always like, how do you get started going to craft shows? How do you, how do you make money? I, I want to make wreaths, so I want to make birdhouses or whatever. How, how can I do that and, and sell it? Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm going to do a couple classes on it. How do, you, how do you turn craft into cash? Yeah. There is no class like that. Right. It, it, you think about it when you're in the mix and you're doing it and you know what you know if you have no idea how to take the first step what the hell do you do yeah so it's it just gives me a venue to do more but in doing more i add more value to my brand yeah yeah you know yeah if you've hadn't done it if you don't know anybody that's done it um it's completely foreign to you of yeah. either of even what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. How do a guy even go find how to get in this show? Yeah. You know, what if it's a jury show? What does yeah. that mean? How do I get in it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, 
Yeah, and it, it, it's if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. How do you, you don't know what you don't know. So, right. you know, all of these just amazing ideas, and I've already started talking with like uh, my friend that owns Three One Seven Barbecue, and then you got Brew Pub next door, Just Poppin, and doing some some collaborations. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't have a liquor license, so I, right. and it's too much to get a liquor license. So, but they do, and they can cater and. Right. Provide. Right. You know, so maybe once a month do a class that has catering provided and liquor through them and work out a collaborative deal. And it's that's a win win. Right. From a business perspective in a neighborhood type businesses like that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. You know, and so if I've got a class where I got a bunch of guys have three one seven barbecue and beer. Right. If I got a class, a wine class with a lot of women have just popping. Popcorn yep. and some wine. Yep. Because you never know, you know, and I, th- I think that's one of the important things that you always got to look for new ways of exposure. Yeah. You know, because that's important because you never know, um, you know, and, I, and I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of looking at opportunities and being like, ah, that's a small opportunity. Ah, it's, you know, I don't know if it's going to, you know, it's going to be worth our time, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Um, but you don't know what that opportunity leads to. Yeah. You know, that may be a small opportunity mm-hmm. that opens up a big freaking door. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so you've got to be willing to, to get out of the box, to try new things, to um, create new ways of exposure. Yeah. You know, is yeah. what it is. Because th- this, all of this stuff that's taking place now for me happened because I did a spot on Fox 59 in March. Yeah. And the guy saw me and goes, wow, like that, dig it. We need to get that here. Like, yeah. we don't want a bar yeah. here. Yeah. We want something different, yeah. something that brings families in, something that's community connected and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, obviously, I wasn't thinking about that. Right. But they were. Yeah. And, and so, they're, they're the opportunity. It sat there waiting yeah. for someone to be on TV yeah. for him to make that decision. Yeah. And it, it's... So, so let me go. So you just said you weren't thinking about that. Um, why, why were you not thinking about that? Because I was so wrapped up in gearing up to do what I do. So you're in March, you yep. March Madness. I'm doing a bunch of you know, Purdue stuff and this stuff and blah, yep. blah, blah. And, um, you know, I, I was actually getting geared up to do what I was doing two years ago. Yeah. Getting ready for kind of to get out of COVID and do a bunch of shows and blah, 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 blah. The grind. Yeah. And, and I even booked shows that, that now I'm like, okay, I paid yeah. for these shows. I have to figure out what I'm going to do. Am I going to go? Am I not? Um, but these are champagne tears. Like I, right. I, I love having to, to decide between staying here and working this model mm-hmm. and getting that model that I did yeah. for so many yeah. years. But yeah, you know, I just I was I was starting to get my tunnel vision to accomplish all the things I have to accomplish because yeah. I'm still a one man show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but right now I have to figure out. Okay, I need to figure out how to bring reliable people into the mix to handle some duties. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you're going to be, you can't be there every minute that the store is open. Exactly. You got to figure out a way to be open. How to man it. How to staff it. When you can't be there, yeah, and it's still got to be open, yeah. Um, 
but if you're if you're in this this market in Indy, um, you know, I, I got to think that there's two places really that you would like to be, Mass Ave or Broad River. Yeah, that's it. I mean, those, those are the two hot spots for yeah. what you do that you want to be, that's going to get foot traffic, that's going to get that clientele, yeah. that's going to drive people in, um, you know, and so awesome. That's, and, that's, and, and truthfully, they offered me, um, the the main guy that I talked to offered me, we, we met over beers at the brew pub and offered me an opportunity to move into a spot on... Uh, Mass Ave offered that oh, spot. Oh, wow. It, it, a big spot. A spot about the size of this, bigger than this, you know. And, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to look really empty. Yeah, like, <laughs> like this, you know, even if I can get 30 people, yeah. if I get 30 more artisans, it's it just won't look right. It'll be a bad best foot forward. Right. And um, but he's like, well, we got a lot of stuff. You know, I'd like you to consider this, that. And I said, no, this this is more my speed, neighborhood related, and, yeah. and I can pull this off. But um, you know, what you said, I want to touch on that a bit um, because I think that's important as an entrepreneur to understand. Because so, so many times you think, well, I've got this opportunity; it's a big opportunity, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the biggest opportunity I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the best decision you can make is to realize what opportunity that fits you best. Oh, yeah. What fits you best may not always be the biggest opportunity. Yeah, because yeah, that big opportunity could be a big failure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a big, big weight. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, we were talking about pop-up being a trial run. Yep. You know, I want, I want this to be extremely successful. Yeah. And, 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 the struggle to be like, I wish I was bigger. Right. I wish I had more room, more space. I wish I had more time doing exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And, um, and so, and working with them and knowing that they have all of this property all over the place. Right. There are going to be opportunities to go further, grow, do something somewhere else. Yeah. If I got to move it near or far, it'll be okay. Yeah. And, and then the other thing is, and this goes back to the competition thing. Mass Ave has what I think is the, the best handmade store in the country. Um, I've traveled to 13 different states doing shows, and I always go to the handmade store in those states. And Homespun on Mass Ave is by far the best. Like when I go to, whether I go to Tennessee or whether I go to Michigan, and I go to their store and they know I'm from Indiana, they say, do you know Homespun? But Homespun didn't know them. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And um, and my stuff is in homespun, so I it's it's like a conflict of interest. Like yeah. I, I I don't want to be there, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. they do a job way better than I could do, right. honestly. Yeah, they've got like four hundred vendors all from everywhere. Yeah, and uh, and I don't want to be that. Um, that's a, a kind of a nightmare to manage that many vendors and yeah. inventory and stuff. But uh, that was also a part of my thought of like not wanting to be. You know, a mile away from that, but put me in Broad Ripple, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely dope. I can't, I can't wait, man. That's awesome. I can't That's wait. Awesome. I can wait. So it's just, you know, I think you know we talk about, you know, uh, you know how can you create longevity, longevity, and in you know passive income and all of these different things. And for me, in my progression as an artist, it's like 
I'm still working to get there, but like I see this as a great opportunity to get me over that hump. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll have my stuff, I'll have other artists' stuff, and then I'll offer different things. And ultimately, if you're an artist, let's say you're the best artist ever. Let's say you're uh, Thomas Kincaid or Nancy Noel, who are brilliant Indiana artists. The best artists, your, your arc from when you're really recognized to when you kind of fade off is about 10 years. So not that you're not going to make money after 10 years, but it's not going to be, it's, it literally is a, a peak and then a, a valley. And the biggest mistake that I see artists make are they, when they're hot, they go all in, they get a gallery, they sell only their stuff, and they go to Carmel or Fisher's or Zionsville, and they have their gallery, and they sell their stuff. But eventually, like, how many paintings are you going to put on your wall from the same person? Yeah. How many, I mean, honestly, yeah. no matter how good you are, I yeah. don't care, Pablo Picasso, like, yeah. how many are you going to have? Yeah. And, and they get wrapped up. Again, you're talking about the, 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 their idea is the way. Like, yeah. and, and then comes the fall where you don't have that same revenue coming in. Right. And you have no option to pop that back up. Right. Like the people who loved you, they've already got your stuff. They still love you. Yeah. But there's a new crowd, new thing. Yeah. And and I just don't want to be there. It's like being a rock star in the 80s. That's absolutely right. And and you know what? And we still love them. Yeah. You yeah. know? But they ain't selling a whole but lot it, of new albums. Exactly. <laughs> and so I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that, that yeah. rock star from the 80s. I don't yeah. want to be someone who's dated because he's only known for this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so yep. that's where my efforts to yep. churn the soil a little yep. bit come into play. I, you know, it's funny. So it's funny you mentioned Thomas Kincaid. I was talking to somebody the other day about that, that their, I want to say it was like their father or something, had invested good amounts of money in these Thomas Kincaid paintings that yeah. they were convinced. They were, they were sold on the whole pitch. Mm-hmm. These are collector items. They're mm-hmm. editions. They're number prints. They're blah, blah, blah. And... Now that, you know, they're kind of in the nursing home or passed yeah. away, whatever it was, and, you know, realizing that eh, these things aren't worth anything because yeah. every mall in America yeah. had exactly. these things, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And, it, you know, kudos to him. He sees the moment or whatever, but it, yeah. it, it's not a long term. He's not, he's not selling them for big money now. No. You no. know, he, he saturated the market. Yeah. He went all in on it yeah. and hit that peak. Yeah. Done. And that's it. And it, it, it flatlines. Like it's, it's, yeah. and it's merciless. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, you're talking about, you know, an artist, it doesn't translate into anything else. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're a brilliant artist, you're not going to turn into an accountant. Right. Like, it's, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's over. So if you haven't done anything that either allows you to keep some wind beneath your sails yeah. or navigate those waters beyond the... F- it's going to happen to yeah. every artist. Yeah. And though Kincaid and Nancy Noel were brilliant. Yeah. So, like, they, you could have that level of talent and still flatline. Yeah. Now, they hit... And, you know, on their behalf, they had a big peak. Oh, they, yeah. They, they cashed in. Oh, yeah. They, they did all right. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and they're, they're all right. So, kudos to them. Yep. Um, 
you know, and I, and I guess it's the same for, you know, the 80s rock musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you were big and you cashed in and you had the big couple albums, yeah. you know, it, you're set for life. Yeah. You're yeah. set for life. Um, but it, it's, there, there's got to be a certain level of frustration um, later on in life. Yeah. When you're you're kind of you know living for those glory days, of, yeah. you know you got to tell people that man, I used to have a shop in every yeah. mall in America, and I was a big deal, and blah, blah blah. You know, it's like yeah, but you're not now. Well, and I know with with particularly like with Nancy Noel, I mean she she sh- shut her she had a I forget what it was called. It was this beautiful. It was a church in Zionsville mm-hmm. that was her, her gallery. Mm-hmm. And she had like coffee and wine. It was it was amazing. We, we went there once with my mom over Christmas, like ten years ago. But she shut everything down and moved to New York City because she had to find a new audience to to yeah. expose herself to. Yeah, she's selling her house in Zionsville, by the way. Yeah, nice place. She passed away. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nice place. Oh, it's amazing. She, she did all right. Oh, she, nice, she, nice big horse farm. It's a nice she, place. She was, as far as I'm concerned, she was she was the best that I've seen do oil paintings. I mean, she was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But, and, you know, it, it's that, that's where, um, you know, I, I and I, and I don't know this because I'm not an artist, but it, it's that's got to be the hardest thing as an artist because it's so unnatural yeah as an artist to try to think about it from a business perspective oh yeah so kudos to those guys because they they've they figured out a way to cash in on yeah. it and to cash in on it big time yep um you know and and kudos to you because you you have certainly figured out a path yeah um you know and, and that's that's got to be the hardest thing because the vast majority of artists <laughs> don't become valuable until they're dead. <laughs> yeah, and you can't make any more. Uh, but uh, if you think about it, you know it, it's the it's the society that we're in now, and not not in a negative way, but just means of mass production, printing, those sort of things. You know, did not exist in the 1800s. Yeah, you know, and so you know you think of some of the the great artists throughout history you know Monet did not have the ability to go out and create 500 yeah, prints yeah a UV print of his original and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you know so he just had to paint these you yeah. know a lot of them were commissioned pieces whatever yeah um, and they don't become valuable till the person's dead and they can't make anymore mm-hmm. and it's the rarity that makes the value yeah um, you know and but today it's it's just a, an entirely different thing to be able to navigate it from a business perspective, um, you know, which which you have uh, really done very well of figuring out. It's not about uh, which I think just from the outside looking in, it's probably what a lot of young artists struggle with. They want to create things that they enjoy, yeah, that they like, yeah, that they want to do, yeah. and. You know, well, I can't make any money as an artist. Right. Yeah, because you, as an artist, to make money, you got to create things that other, other people, people want. That's right. <laughs> not what you want. Damn not right. what you enjoy. Damn not right. what you like. Yeah, I remember being an arrogant art student, and Ben Ruiz, kind of a codger, old life drawing teacher. I was telling him why artist X Y Z, who was making half a million dollars a year, by the way. 
this artist making half a million dollars a year. And I'm like, he's no good. <laughs> and Ben was like, oh, really? Okay, well, why is he no good? Well, he can't draw feet well, and his faces are terrible, and blah, blah, blah. And Ben's like, God, it's interesting. Um, you're in college, and, and you're saying he's no good. And I mean, I, he said, I can agree with some of your criticism of him, but he's making half a million dollars a year in 1991. And he's like, uh, it's interesting. You're in college, and uh, uh, would you like to trade places with him since he's no good and you said he sucks? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'd trade places with him. And he said, well, what, what, tell me then what, what's good, what's bad, why does he suck? And I said, well, I told you why he sucks. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. He's like, you know what's good? I said, what, Ben? What people are willing to pay you for. Yeah. That's yeah. what's good. That, yeah. He said, if you draw it right, but it looks wrong, it's wrong. If you draw it wrong and it looks right, it's right. If someone's willing to pay you to draw a comic book character yep. and the face is not yep. good, yep. and they're going to pay you half a million dollars a year, yep. guess what? That's what you're going to yep. do. So let me ask you this. When did you go through the process? Because I'm, I'm just based upon what you were saying, I, I got to think that this is a process that artists that become sex successful and make a living at art, go through this just because, you know, I was young, I was a kid, and I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, how, when, how, whatever it is, did you go through kind of the transition of realizing that it's not about creating the best art, it's about creating art that people relate to? Because that's what's valuable. Yeah. What's valuable, you know, I get it. You get the you get the stodgy old people that you know. It's the Monet and it's yeah. the brushstrokes yeah. and it's yeah. the interpretation. And I see the pain and the mm -hmm. you know, blah blah blah. You know, but as a as a, a, a regular artist that builds a business, you know, we're not talking about the, the you know the LeBron James of art, the right. once in a right. the right. once in a century right. type thing. Right. Um, but but you know, did, is there a moment? Is yeah. there? Do you can you look back and see when you kind of went through the transition of? Yeah. You know, it, it's not about my art and what I'm trying to say and express, yep. but it's about creating a connection that somebody relates to, and that's what makes my art valuable, and yeah. I can sell it. Definitely. It was uh, probably six years ago, which is weird. That, you know, I'm 50 years old now. So even when I worked at Marvel and DC, I would do art, and I would do it, and I was on the uh, you know, tough... Uh, Guidelines. That's or, corporate art. Yeah, corporate art. You know, you, you got deadlines and you got to pump it out and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm out of the art world for whatever, 12 years, 13 years. And then, you know, I have the stroke and I start doing these shows and doing artwork and selling it. But what I was doing was what I wanted to see. Yeah. And I, and I remember doing a Chicago Bears piece. And I thought, people are going to love it. Because they had a bear, and he was chewing a helmet and crushing Aaron Rodgers' head, and yep. Aaron Rodgers' eye was popping out, and his he was screaming. It was really visceral, really visceral. Yep. And, and all licensing to the NFL was fully paid. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> and uh, and I, I I did that, and when I took it out, you know, Bears fans are pretty hardcore fans. Oh yeah, they all were like. Man, that's great. That uh, wow, he's crushing Aaron. That's man, that's awesome, man. He's just killing him. That's great. That's, all right, and I'm like, you're not gonna buy it. And they're like, wow, yeah, it's 
eventually Aaron's going to be gone. Yeah, they were just like, wow. He's just got, I don't know, it's kind of rough, man. It's kind of rough. I'm like, yeah, but you're a Bears fan. Yeah. Nothing's too rough. He's like, I know, I know, I know. I love it. I'm a wife. You know, I got kids. And, and I was like, what? What? What, what, is, what does this mean, yo? And I, it, it was that moment. When I, when I, that piece is what told me I had that piece against that Cubs piece with the cardinal in his mouth. Yeah. And everyone loved that. Because it was tasteful and humorous. Yeah. But the Bears one, no biters. No biters. One sold out, one sold one. Wow. And then I learned, oh, it's not what I want. It's what they want. And what they want is something that is presentable in the house. Yeah. Something that the kids can see. Something that the wife can see. You, there's no point in buying it if your wife, you come home with it and your wife goes, you're not putting that up. Right. There, there's no point in getting it. Right. So, you know, I just learned, like, it's, it's not what I want. Mm-hmm. Learn the components of things that make it palatable for consumption. Yeah. Which is, it sounds easy. Yeah. It, looking back on it now, you know, I mean, it, it sounds like a no-brainer that, well, of course you create what the customer wants. Um, but as an artist, you work off of your vision. Absolutely. You work off of your vision, you know, and and it does take you a while to realize that this is what this is what I, I want to create, I want to do, and, well, crap, nobody wants what I want to create yeah. and what I want to do. And I think that discourages a lot, probably a lot of young artists, a lot yeah. of young entrepreneurs, um, a lot of new entrepreneurs to feeling like, well, my product sucks when really yeah. it's like, well, just to just tweak, tweak it, just tweak. tweak. It. Yeah. And you've got it. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's funny how thin that line is yeah. sometimes yeah. of no success, a lot of success. Yep. And it can just ride on a small yeah. change. Yeah. Yeah. A small change. But, you know, you think of whether you're whether you're rebuilding someone's yep. kitchen or whether yep. you're making some art for sports yep. fans like, you know, that. If 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 I wasn't committed yep. and in it to win it, yep. that one show could have torpedoed me. Yeah, I, I could have been like, you know, I I don't I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. I spent money. I lost money. Yeah, and, and if you were working and you were doing that on the side, oh yeah, that's what keeps a lot of people from jumping into it because they're doing it on the side. Yeah, they get that negativity. Yeah, and they're not tied to. It's just not Sink enough. or swim. There's not enough investment. It goes all the way back to your jumping off the diving board. Like once you jump off the diving board, between the water and that diving board, you got to figure it out. Like I had no other option. I couldn't turn back. Right. If I was yeah. still at FedEx, I would still be at FedEx. Yes. Yeah. But it was like, no, this is what I'm doing. So I need to dissect what went wrong. And fortunately, I had what went right and what went wrong. And so I was able to look at the juxtapose between one image and the other yeah. and go that direction. But, yeah, you're right. Like, if I, was, if I was just doing it on the side and had no other thoughts about doing it professionally for good, I might have just put it up. Yeah, because yeah, it, it allows you to have a mentality of, um, you know, it, it's that space between the diving board and the water, yeah. and you've got to figure it out. What that does is... Internally, you have to digest the fact that 
even if it's not what I want to do, yeah. it's what pays the bills yeah. and I got to do it. Yeah. And so if that was a side gig and you get that feedback and you're like, well, this is what I want to create. So I don't care if they don't yeah. like it. I'll just keep in this. And if I only sell five, I only sell yeah. five. Yep. But when you're, when you're in the air, you've left the diving board, the water's down there. Yeah. You got to quickly make the adjust of, oh crap, I'll change it. I'll tweak it. That's what they want to buy. I got rent coming up. Yeah. You got it. You know? Yeah. And it, it's, it's, you know, it's the, um, what's the, uh, what's the, well, I'm blanked on the phrase now of necessity. Well, necessity is the, the mother of all invention yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's a lot of truth to that. There's it a lot is. of truth to that. I've got rent to pay. I've got payroll. I've got this. I've got that. I've got the other. And so I do it. And I can tell you right now, I do it every day. Yeah. I'm so tired of white shaker cabinets <laughs> that I can't stay. I would care less if I made another white shaker cabinet. But it's 70% of what everybody wants right now is wow. white shaker cabinets. Wow. Wow. And I got into woodworking because I like wood. I like yeah. the grain. I like the color. I like the natural variations in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it was up to me, everybody would buy hickory cabinets because I love the coloration yeah. variation in hickory. Yeah. You know, yeah. and everybody would buy that because I love the wood. Right. But <laughs> you got to put know, you got to put the personal love aside. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. So so in uh, since uh, we started this business in 2016. Um, we now have the first customer on the books that wanted hickory. Wow. <laughs> so, um, it, it, way to stick to it, man. <laughs> I finally found somebody and I was so excited. You know, I gave him a, a ridiculous, stupid low price because I just want to do the hickory, <laughs> you know, well, it's good to be able to put it in your arsenal, your portfolio of things you've done too, you know? Yeah. 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 Especially since you, you know what 70% of what you're doing or requests are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I thought about you because I've been dealing with, with, you know, talking about, you know, being small business and that the cost of wood has, has gone nuts. up so much it's nuts and and so this time last year when i bought you know i usually buy 300 cuts of indiana mm -hmm. and um it was two dollars and 48 cents yep. for one yep and uh and then in january when i bought some it was three dollars and 20 cents yeah so it had gone up like you know whatever 80 cents and um and then it went up again immediately. Like it was January, so in like February, yeah, it was up to like four dollars. Yeah, and I, I was like, man, I'm just—I don't even need them, but I'm gonna order it right now. Yeah. So I ordered like Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, and uh, some circles, and I got them in. And I got—I'm doing thicker now. I'm doing like a uh, half inch now instead yeah. of quarter inch. And um, and I got them and. It, I think maybe a day later, an email came out as we're out of the birch. We're, you know, we've literally sold out to June, yep. effectively June. It's like four fifty per. Yep. That's, it's huge. It went yep. from like, you know, a forty percent increase. It's almost a hundred percent now. Yep. Well, I'll tell you, um, as a, as a business owner, it's we're in very odd times for a lot of reasons. And so, yeah, so we don't even deal with, like, dimensional construction lumber, two-by-fours, two-by-sixes, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. That sort of stuff's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's 
that stuff is priced on the commodities market, you know, the mercantile exchange. Um, at, at this time last year, you know, 1,000 board feet of dimensional lumber was, you know, 360 dollars for 1,000 board feet. Now it's $1,500 for 1,000 board feet. So it's almost five times more expensive. Um, it's ridiculous. What we deal with in our, um, you know, high-end veneer plywoods, UV coatings, that sort of stuff for cabinets, um, we're paying probably anywhere between 30 or 50% more yeah. based upon what it is. Um, but we are now on, uh, we're now on basically allocation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to place orders months in advance. We have, we have to tell them now what we're going to want in July. Wow. And wow. that way we can kind of reserve it. Yeah. Um, there's no guarantee that we'll get it because if they can't get it, we can't get it. Yeah. Um, there's no guarantee that we'll get more. I just tried to order more the other day and we're still no out of stock. Wow. Um, there's certain things we can't get at all. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it gets back to, you know, when the COVID shutdown hit, the yeah. mills had to shut down. Yeah. Um, Everybody started going remodel crazy last June and July. Cleaned out. They can't catch up. Yeah. Um, and now they're making, you know, the mills are making the decision of uh, they are running construction gauge plywood and the higher end plywoods that we use in cabinets and, and high end cabinetry and that sort of stuff is on the back burner mm-hmm. because they have such a demand of just the low grade construction. Right. Um, that. The, the, the specialty yeah. plywoods and those yeah. sort of things are on the back burner, yeah. and they're they're pushing that off to fit in the other stuff. Um, you know, we had one vendor that uh, what we use for our center panels on painted doors is an MDF HDF material. Um, doesn't expand and contract like wood. Takes paint well, um, and basically you can't get it. Yeah, one vendor's got a rail car coming in in June full of the stuff it's already sold so we're actually buying another product that's thicker and we're sanding it down wow to get it to the thickness wow. we need to use in our doors oh. just so we can have it to yeah. keep generating revenue yeah um we're turning the the part that i'm struggling with the most right now is we are turning away good business because it's not big enough wow um you know and and i get you know Businesses do that sort of thing all the time that, hey, we got minimum orders, minimum quantities, those sort of things. Um, you know, but when you're, you look at customers and you're like, you know, on a, on a, at their house and you just got to look at them and say, to be honest with you, your job's not big enough. Yeah. For yeah. me to, I've got X amount of materials that I yeah. know I can get a month. Yeah. And that's got to go to jobs that are going to pay X or above. Yeah. Cause you, you've also got, you've got, uh, payroll that you have to make. Yeah. You've got, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, yeah. you're leasing a building. And, yep. and and so, and that's, that's where inflation gets just yeah. pushed into it because yeah. it's now of, I've got a limited supply right. of what's coming in right. and basically I'm in a position that I'm selling it to the highest bidder. Who's willing to pay the most for yeah. my cabinets? Yeah. If you're yeah. not willing to pay X for me to come in and do this, I'm not interested in it. Yeah. And that's, as a business owner, that's a very uncomfortable position yeah. for me to be in. Oh, Maybe yeah. it's not for others, but yeah. it is for me yeah. Yeah. because it's it's good business. It's business that I'd love to look at and be. It would be under Norgram Circuit this time last year. It would be good profitable business. Yeah. Yeah. Now with the way things are, yeah. you know, it's not. Unemployment yeah. has driven the cost of labor up. Yeah. You know, everybody talking. Oh, you get the extra three hundred bucks. Oh, that's good. 
yeah, except, you know, in a state of Indiana where you got the 390 plus 300 on top of it, you're getting 690 a week in unemployment. Right. You're over $15 an hour in unemployment. Yeah. So yeah. a job that would have been a good entry-level job yeah. in a shop benefits everything that we would have started somebody off at 15 or $16 an hour for, becomes people aren't interested. It's a non-starter. Yeah. Because they can get that on unemployment. Yeah. So now you got to offer them $20. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, there's... There's there's all the, the complaints and all the other reasons around it, but the fact is, as a business owner, you got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. what it is, yeah. and whether or not it's somebody wants to be lazy and sit at home, it doesn't matter. I mm-hmm. still got to try to figure a way to incentivize them to get off the couch and to come into work every day yeah. Yeah. because I need them. Yeah, you know, yeah. as an economy, we need them to work. Yeah, my my friend uh, was telling me, you know, he hit me up two days ago and said, "Man, I'm desperate for." service industry help like, yep. do you yep. know anyone any people anyone in the industry that will come and help and yep. you know i said i'll put some calls out for you but like for him to say that you know but he owns three restaurants yes yep. you know and so it affects his ability to provide his service to his customers yep. and move more product yep. because yep. he doesn't have an, he's got a whole section of a restaurant where we're, we're, we're going to do a podcast someday, uh, that in his bar that he's got closed off because he doesn't have staffing to support it. Right. Which means yep. if he had three more people, yep. he could open that up, yep. sell more yep. booze, blah, 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 blah. So Cunningham started giving their employees Mondays off. I just, yeah. They've closed their restaurants on Mondays. Yeah. And the reason is, is because they've got a set of employees. Mm-hmm. Some employees will sit at home and collect the unemployment, mm-hmm. and they've got the others that are dedicated and will come in and work. Yeah, but they got to work those employees to death. To death, yeah. Because you know what? It, the sad part about it is there's still a lot of people that will go out to a restaurant with no comprehension of what restaurants are doing True. With right now. Yeah, you're short right. Short staffed. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'd, you know, the waiter didn't get to me in time, yeah. and I demand my food for free. Well, yeah. you know what? We got four people tending yeah. the bar and serving the entire restaurant because that's the only four people we could incentivize right. to come in here. Unless that $20 meal you ordered, you're willing to pay 40 for. Yeah, yeah. That's what you know? my, my friend told me that. And and then the people go on Google and hit them on the Google, right. yeah. you know, give them a bad Google review or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, he's like, it's a double whammy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, I get the whole political aspect of wanting to stand, you know, McDonald's should pay a livable wage, you know, they should at least pay $15 an hour, you know, where somebody can mm-hmm. live and make $30,000 a year and blah, blah, blah. Are you willing to pay 10 bucks for your Happy Meal? Right. Well, that's a ridiculous right. price for a Happy Meal. Then how am I supposed to pay him 15 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. well, look at the millions of dollars they've spent. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get they make millions yeah. of dollars, yeah. you know, but that's what keeps them going. That's yeah. why people want to buy a McDonald's. That's yeah. why they want to open a McDonald's. Yep. That's how, they, you know, I mean. Yeah. No. Yeah. You, yeah. You've got to have that. It, it, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, it, it's create a, a, a quandary for sure yeah. for that, that we're all yeah. dealing with. And, and as a small business, I mean, it's all relative. I mean, you've got employees and I've got me, but I feel it. For my oneself, yep. I yep. feel it the way you feel it. Just it's just me, but you've got you know other employees, and you know I, I'm not sure how. I, I'm not sure what all the answers are, but the bottom line is, yo, know, we have got to still navigate these waters. Yeah, it's it's just again we're on the flip side of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I consider it the flip side. Yeah, but this is a you know cause and effect. 
partially of the pandemic, yep. maybe partially of other decisions. Yeah. But we got to figure it out. We can't just go like. But flip side is that that's that's the that's a great word for it because it is a flip side. Mm-hmm. It, this has changed so many dynamics in so many areas. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's changed the way people sell houses. Yeah. I mean, because there, there are segments of this city that how they sell houses now aren't listing it. And then you get an offer and yeah. you debate the offer. And then I accept it. It's nope. We're listing our house for sale and you got three days. Yeah. Highest bid gets it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that hot. It's, it's that, that hot. hot. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's changed the dynamic in so many things because you know what? Restaurants are open back up now. You mm-hmm. can go in and have a restaurant, but every freaking restaurant still has four or five spots out front now. Yeah. Curbside pickup. Yeah. People got used to it. Yeah. We door dash every Friday still yeah. now. Yeah. We door dash yeah. every Friday. Yeah. Because we got used to it during the pandemic. Yep. And it became a routine, and we still do it. Yeah. Well, you it's know? a paradigm. Every, every American's had a paradigm shift. You know? We, yeah. we all have. I mean, it's, it's, but you're right. We've gotten accustomed to it. Yeah. We, we're like, hey, you know, we we like chilling at home. We're the the, the week is rough. <laughs> yeah, the week is rough. So the weekend, let's chill yeah. it down. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. So DoorDash is good. Yeah, people have become a lot more comfortable spending time at home. Um, you know, I can just tell you from the industry we're in, a lot of people are putting money to their home to make it what they want to stay at. Yeah. Before people would buy a home, a lot of people would buy a home. And it's a temporary residence. Yeah. I'm in this house for five to ten years. Yeah. And we get our equity built up, yeah. and then we make the step to the next up. It's the next home. Yeah. Um, it is shocking over the last year of how many people that I go into their home, we talk about changes they want to make, and their their idea of what their home is has changed. It is, you know, well... You know, we used to this just be, a, you know, this was going to be a five to ten year. It's going to, Now we think it's going to be a long term. But I'll tell you the one thing has changed. A lot more talk now of a second home. Yeah. A second home. Yeah. For the people that can afford it. Yeah. And the people that are of that, that echelon of society that yeah. can afford it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more talk now of a second home instead of so, vacations. Yeah. Instead of spending it on vacations yeah. and spending on this and spending it on that. It's now a second home because if this hits again, yeah, you know, if this is, there's still the unknown of is oh, yeah. this is this going to be a continual thing that we got to yeah. deal with the rest of our lives? Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to be the next one five years down the road? Um, this has changed our thinking in many ways, and well, so now people want that. I want to be assured I have that vacation spot yeah. that's mine. It's yeah. not going to close. Yeah. You know, and. There's a lot more of that. We've we've been talking ourselves about you know <clears throat> we could you know house be you know house done paid for which is be a wonderful thing um, and like get a, a just a small lake house small yeah. lake house yeah. someplace within like three or four hours where you can go on a regular it doesn't need to be ten hours away where you right. can't get there right but the problem is like. It, we literally this year changed our thoughts to like we wouldn't sell the house. We just a modest house, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's our house. Yeah, it's ours. Yeah, like no one can take it. Right. You know. Yeah. And if you sell it, you got to go find a house. Yeah. 
That's a problem right now. Well, and that's, you know, we've had that. Me and Melissa have had that exact discussion of selling our house. It's a great time to sell your house, horrible time to buy one. Yeah. And it's like, are we better off, though, staying in our house with the long-term plan of, well, then we just, we, we find a small cab and we find yeah. a lake, whatever it is yeah. that you're into. Yeah. That we can afford yeah. that becomes a second property. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's changed. It's, oh, yeah. it's it's I've just I've seen it in the last year of talking to people that are looking to make upgrades and changes to their house. Um, the mentality behind it has changed yeah. drastically. Yeah. yeah, with what they're after. No, definitely. If, if you if you were talking to me two years ago, I would have told you we're going to sell our house because we're not we're not like we not we're not owned by the house. We're not like yeah. we we love the house. The house yeah. is good. Got the kids out. Kids are gone. It's just us. It's fine. It's, yep. it's not yep. lavish. It's good. Yep. All right. So it's like sell it. Yep. And go go get your lake house and be yep. there and do your thing. Well, don't want to sell it and then have to go through a bidding war that you you probably won't yeah. win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like realistically, yep. like I I don't I don't think we would win a bidding war yep. for a, another house that we would want. Yep. Well, and that's what that's what we came down to is we've. You know, if if we do, you know, we want to be in the village of Zionsville. That's uh-huh. where we want to be. I want to be within walking distance of the Burke Street. Yeah. Nothing that ever opens up there hardly. I bet. You know, and trying to find something that hasn't already been fixed and flipped and yeah. is getting a premium, you yeah. know, is really hard to do. Yeah. But it's just like, okay, we would have to, because of the way houses are selling right now, we would have to sell our house. And really the only way we would be able to do it is we have to find a rental. Yeah. To sell our house and we have to rent something yeah. and hope that within our rental period, what we want opens up yeah. and we're able to bid what it takes to get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just like, that's not the way I want to buy the next house. <laughs> that's not a good setup. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think we've kind of resigned ourselves to, you know, our first thing was, oh, let's do a fix and flip. Let's, you know, love it or list it type of thing. Um, but it's kind of like, well, you know, maybe we're just kind of, Unless the right opportunity opens up that will allow us to work everything, we're just we're fine staying here. And yeah. I think a lot of people have have kind of went through that that process in the last year. Yeah. You know, now if the housing market changes and stuff, you know, this all may go out the window. Yeah. Um, but for right now, it's what everybody deals with. Yeah. That's what you can see. I, I think so. everyone's dealing with the same thing. Yeah. And and it's it's funny because I mean, it swings all the way back to we're talking about. You know how um, lumber affects everything, your business yep. and my business. Yep. You know, these guys here at Brewlink, uh, I'm sure they're paying more for toilet paper and napkins yep. at bulk yep. than they were a year ago. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's so funny that from an entrepreneurial standpoint, small business standpoint, all of these things, all of these things are issues that we have to. For lack of a better term, negotiate, deal with, negotiate and deal with, and you know, factor into all of our indices. Um, you know, I never thought a year and a half ago that my cost to produce my product would go up forty percent, let alone eighty percent, and that's what's going on. Uh, you know, fortunately for me, or I don't say fortunately, but fortunately, 
you know, I had to raise my prices because I had to produce so much work in a short amount of time that I had to buy a huge amount of raw supplies. Probably right around the 1st of November. So I was setting up to be in the mall all of December. And I raised my prices with the thought that I'm going to lower the prices in January or February and ride my regular price from January and February all the way back through to November again for uh, 2021. And obviously with the situation that we're in, there was just, there was no way. There was absolutely positively no way. I mean, I just, you know, the margins are so narrow when you're a small business that had I, had I taken my costs or had I taken my prices back down to where they were uh, pre-November 2020, you know, my, my margins would, wouldn't allow me to make decisions like uh, uh, taking on this situation to do the pop-up in Broad Ripple or you'll know, add you know three or four new t-shirts to my inventory of shirts and you know add stickers to my list of uh, inventory and uh, of the images that I have I mean I, you know but 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 again you know there's only so much that as a small business there's only so much uh, uh, cost you can take on um, you know what I'm saying about how how you know I raised my prices in November, yep, because I had to buy such a huge amount of raw material for Christmas, right? Because I was in the mall for the whole yep. month. But I, my plan is to was to to take the price back down, you yeah. know, ten or fifteen dollars yeah. in January, right? But because of the cost hikes, I decided to keep it where it yeah. was. Minus that decision, it would. I, I don't know that I can make the same decision for going into the books and brews spot. Yeah. You know, I mean, my flexibility would have been greatly limited and it would have been really hard to raise the prices right now. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it would be tough. It would yeah. look bad. It, it yeah. just, it would not, it, it somehow it would, it just would not seem to be a productive yeah. move, even yeah. though it would move, it would be a move I had yeah. to make. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm thankful that I raised my prices. Um, because it is, it's allowed me the, the freedom to make some moves, yeah. but but I, I I don't have much more room to go. Right, and this is so I I just uh, had this conversation um, with a with a buddy this morning um, when we were talking about you know just just growing a business um, you know and, and where we're at and trying to grow and we need to, we're trying to hire a couple more guys to to work install crews because on the construction remodel space, the way you really grow a business and grow revenue is you have to be able to install more product at the same time. You know, and his world is like, well, you can, you can raise your prices. Yeah, but you can only raise your prices so much. You can't just keep raising yeah, the prices. Can't, yeah, Because eventually you hit a point to where you're not, it, customers, no matter at what level, your product's not worth that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, I mean, it's easy to say, well, just keep raising your prices, you know. Well, great, then you get up to a million dollars and you only need to sell one. Great, 
if you can sell the one for a million, you, you know, that that you can't you can't grow and plan and build a business on that. So you raise them, you try to maximize your profit per piece, per job, whatever it is. And then the only way you can grow beyond that is I have to be able to do more at one yep. time. Yep. You know, and I know just, you know, over the years, that's that's been your struggle that yep. you've dealt with. That being a one-man show is there's only so much time, there's only so much you can create. And so it's been to figure out ways that you can create more you're not the one tied to doing it because mm-hmm. the only way you're able to create more is if it doesn't take your time. You got to it. do it. Yep. Um, and so that that's the challenge. That's the challenge, especially now in a market to where finding employees is so hard. Of how do you just you can't just continue to say raise prices. We've raised our prices. We're getting it. We're getting it on a much smaller percentage. Our closing ratio is going down. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Right now, we're in a very, very blessed and fortunate position. There is so much opportunity coming in the door that you can justify doing that. It's not going to stay this way. Yeah. And as a business owner, I realize that. It's not going to stay where we constantly have two, three, four leads a day coming in the door. You know, I mean, I can remember back a year ago, year and a half ago, to where it may be a couple a week. Yeah. You know, that, that's coming again. Because yeah. that's more the natural state of the market. Right. We're in a very unnatural state of the market now where there was so pent up demand. People stayed in their house. People realized they want to change all this. Eventually, we're going to filter through that. We're going to work our way through that backlog. We're going to work our way through the supply shortages. We're going to get through that. And so you've got to have a business that's sustainable and you can make money and you can grow beyond that. The only way to do it is I've got to be able to do more at one time. Yeah. You know, and that's um, that's such a struggle and challenge um, to be able to to say that you know what I think I'm at the peak of probably what I can get from my product. Yeah. You know, and so I've got to figure out a way just to be able to do more. Yeah. Yeah, and even with me, you know, I've found a way to do um, higher price, premium products. Yep. That I do less of. Yep. But charge substantially more. Yep. It diversifies the portfolio. Yep. And it honestly and it's they're they're different. Yep. And it gives a whole different audience something to look at. I don't do the same thing and charge more. I do something totally different. It takes me a lot more time. Charge more. Better margins. Yep. I just sell fewer of them. Yeah. You know, and, and but I, I guess that's what, you know, that's what we're all dealing with. I mean, we we just Again, it's about being adaptable um, and always keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Yeah. Um, because I I don't know what things are going to be like in six months. I don't know. Yeah. yeah you don't know. You don't know. I mean, and, then, and that's the scary thing as a business owner. If you know that we're in a very rare, you know, I mean, this is, this is a once-in-a-lifetime mark for us. Yeah. At least. I know for us. Yeah. We're in a once in a lifetime type market. Yeah. You know, and it becomes a challenge of how much do you invest in growth? Yeah. Because for me, the worst thing, the scariest thing is hiring people. This market changing six months from now. Yeah. And then you got to turn and let people go because the market shifted on you and you can't keep them busy. Yeah. You know, and that's. 
Yeah, I debate, have we hesitated too long to try to hire more people right. because of that fear? Um, and we're, we're trying to hire them now. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge. There's a, there's a documentary on Netflix. I, I can't remember if you talked about this or not. It's the coaches. Mm, I can't remember what it's called. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's about successful coaches I think there's six episodes they interview a coach from different sports Uh, successful coach the first one is Doc Rivers oh cool and one of the things he says in there it goes it it touches on a. I made Melissa watch it Melissa actually enjoyed it she liked it Um, but I made her watch it for that simple fact of it's the the motto I've used for the last year is the only thing I know how to do is keep going forward. You just keep going forward. Yeah. You just keep going forward. Yeah. Um, and Doc Rivers, that he goes through these like five or six points of success. Um, you building a successful team, that sort of thing. And one of them on there is just keep going forward. Wow. Just keep going forward. Yeah. You know, and when he talked about that, I'm like, Wow, he's yeah. know, he's explaining yeah. what the genius I was for thinking. <laughs> That's clearly what I took out of it. Um, but it, but it, but it's true. But it, there's always that little fear in the back of your mind of, yeah. am I pushing too hard to keep going forward? Yeah. yeah, you know, at what point am I pushing too hard? Yeah, you know, and and how you know, you on one hand you think forward is always good, even if it's you know. Minimal forward. Yep, it's still good. Yeah, but on the other hand, you you think you know, you know, it's such a risk to go forward sometimes. Yeah. But then on the other hand, scared money doesn't make money. Like you gotta be willing to. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it, it, it's yeah. There's no. I guess the best part about it is there's no exact science. Like no. No one's figured out the exact formula. Yeah. But forward is always good. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody figured it out. You go into the, the Barnes and Nobles, you go onto Amazon.com, into business books, and there would be one book. Yeah. The way. Yeah. That'd be it. There'd yeah. be one book in any business section, and it's just the way to do it. Yeah. And the reason there's thousands is nobody's figured it out. Yeah. People have got their opinions, they've got their ideas, you know, and you take and you draw, and you make use of what you can, um, but you got to just, you got to you gotta keep going. Yeah. Well, I, I I saw a little uh, blurb on Instagram from Elon Musk talking about his mentor telling him about being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and his mentor told him being an entrepreneur and starting your business is like chewing and swallowing glass as you fall into the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> he said. Uh, and he said, you know, eventually you chew enough glass and you hit enough rocks on your way down to hitting rock bottom. And you start to climb up. Then you start to climb up. But I thought, what a fascinating and accurate description. Because it really, and, and he said, eventually you climb back up and everything's great. Yeah. But he's like, but you got to chew glass and fall into oh, the abyss. God, that is so true. To get to the point that you are tough enough to crawl up. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is so true. And uh, and I, I watched it and I was like, 
that's brilliant. I, yeah. I, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. It really was. And the friend I was telling was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I know, you, you know you've been in the mix for a while. What can you tell me? I said, well, I'll tell you with this, this quote that I heard recently from Elon Musk. And he was like, thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, it's, it's real. That's, that's yeah. a very real. Yeah. You, know, you see a guy who gets to kind of cut and go and do his thing yeah. or whatever, but you don't realize... I'm chewing glass and I'm falling. Like I'm, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's, and and so you have to be a certain type. You can't just say, "Well, this is what I'm doing." Like, right, right. Can you chew glass and fall into the abyss? Yeah, because so much of of being an entrepreneur is it's it, it from the outside. I I used to believe this um, wholeheartedly that you would look at successful people that built businesses and you were like, you know what? I just, I don't have what they have. They, yeah. they clearly just had a good idea. They knew exactly how to do it. They executed it perfectly, and they were successful, and that's what did it until I did it myself, until I jumped off that diving board, and you realize that, that wait, no, no, no. What makes them look that way is just a certain confidence that I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. But I got confidence in myself that I can figure it out along the way. Yeah. And that, that's really what it is. It is. is you know, it, it, and, and a lot of times you feel like that is so true. You feel like you're chewing glass and falling to the yeah. abyss. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, I, and I can tell you that my, my wife is in the business with me. She works at it every day. She struggles with it. She struggles with it mightily, mentally, mm-hmm. because she is not wired that way. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. It's, it's just the difference in people. That's just yeah. how we, yeah. the different skill sets yeah. we bring to the yeah. process. Yeah, and, I, and it's, it's, I struggle with it of, you know, I mean, and I've even told her, listen, if, if, if you need to, to not do this with me yeah. and you need to go find a job job, yeah. Um, I'm I'm fine with that. It's not yeah. hurting my feelings. Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. offending me. Yeah. Um, you know, but but God love her. She she fights through it, but she yeah. struggles because she she is not wired that way. Yeah. She yeah. is not wired to be comfortable chewing glass and falling into yeah. the abyss. Because if you're comfortable chewing glass, you look at problem X as an opportunity. Yeah. But if you, 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 if you're comfortable chewing the glass, it's like, oh, okay, I'll deal with that like this. Yeah. But if you're not comfortable chewing glass, yeah. problem X is like, that's a nuclear bomb that's about to go off. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I look at problems like, because I'm fixing problems all day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's what my day is. My day is solving a problem until I go to sleep. Yeah. And so... I think what may rile Vicky, my wife, or, or make her really concerned, to me is just like an opportunity to get a really creative solution. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's the difference between an entrepreneur. You just, you're chewing glass, a small problem is really small, but yeah. if you don't chew glass, that small problem could be huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's good for people to know. And, and someday, I, it, maybe it's something that we could. Talk about just like how do you how do you face problems? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From small to big. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Realistically, that you know, and I think one of the hardest things too from being a young entrepreneur is um, 
the best thing I think you can do as a young entrepreneur is find mentors. Oh, find yeah. people that have been oh, successful, yeah. that have built businesses, that have done it, um, that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can get feedback from. The hardest thing about being a young entrepreneur is you see those people, those mentors, those people who have done it, and you see where they're at now. Mm-hmm. And you did not know them. Yeah. Or you weren't around. You were not. You were not the relationship. You know, maybe you've known them your entire life, but you weren't a part of what they were building at the beginning. You weren't. You in didn't the see when they were chewing glass and yeah. falling down the yeah. abyss. You're not in the you dirt. See in the where trenches. they're at now, right? Yeah. You see where they're at now, and it's you see where you're chewing glass and falling down the abyss, and it looks all the more overwhelming because you think we're not doing something right. Yeah. Look at where they're at with their business, how comfortable it is. You know, I mean, me and my buddy Don, we've got the saying, you know, the joke of, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's just all about vacations and money, right? <laughs> you know, that's just what it is because so a lot of times people from the outside, your employees, mm-hmm. those sort of things, they kind of, they get that mentality of you yeah. as a business owner, ah, he's just cashing these paychecks. He's not, you know, they they don't have a clue of all the other stuff going on behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, but when you're in the middle of that chewing glass and falling into the abyss, I'm going to use that concept, <laughs> by the way. Good. I like is, I, I have. That I, is freaking great. I have. I've, uh, and it comes from somebody we can say, okay, yeah, yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to look at what you're doing and being like, we're on the right track mm-hmm. because we are chewing glass and yeah. falling into the abyss. Yeah, that means we're on the right track. Yeah, we're figuring things yeah. out. That's good. Um, that's good. You know, um, that's good. It's just you know you're you're on the right track, and eventually you're you're not you're not going to be in year one where somebody is in year ten or fifteen of the yeah. business. You're yeah. not. Yeah. You know, um, we've 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 pushed pretty heavy in the last year. I shouldn't say we, me. I've pushed pretty heavy. Um, to the point of where with, with one of my mentors that, that I've been working with lately to help me is questioning, have I pushed too hard? Have I pushed too hard for growth? Have I um, invested too much in growth that maybe is not materializing at the rate that we want it to? Right. Um, for a couple reasons. You know, one, we can't find the guys to make it materialize as yeah. fast. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and his feedback is, you know, well, maybe, but you, there's no way to judge that now. Right. You can own, that's something that Time. can only be judged down the road yeah. in reflection. Yeah. You know, yeah. if this all goes under six months from now, I can look back and say, oh, we, I went way too heavy in right. investing in machinery and employees and everything for growth. Right. Um, but I could also, in six months from now, be looking back at it, be going, holy crap, I, I, I could have invested a little bit more right. and leveraged it a little bit more. You know, we could yeah. have hired a couple more guys yeah. And, yeah. And, and paid off even faster. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, that's the hard thing about some of those decisions as an entrepreneur. you gotta be, you got to be comfortable with making decisions knowing yeah. that you're not going to know whether they're right or wrong yeah. for six months, year down the road. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. And and all the things we talked about, I, I think it goes right back to the the heart of being an entrepreneur. It just feels like the DNA of an entrepreneur is just a, a, a different animal. Yeah. It's a different animal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, 
there there are too many people who desperately want something different, mm-hmm. but more desperately are afraid to leave what they have yeah, yeah. to get something yeah. different. Well, and that and it's, you know, um, that's that's one of the sayings that that Don uses all the time mm-hmm. to me is, yeah, I said that's right. Not everybody can do what we do. Yeah, and it's not an ability. Yeah, it's not about ability. Yeah, it's a mentality thing. Yeah, not everybody. And it's that chewing glass and falling in the abyss. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. Chew the glass, fall into the abyss with the belief of at somewhere, yeah. I'm I'm hitting rock bottom, I'm catching a ledge, and I'm gonna climb my climb way up. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I, it was it was that that analogy, both of those. I've I've used Don's analogy about not everyone can do what we do yeah. for myself. Yeah. In in like just like looking in the mirror cloudy moments where you're just like man i'm in this place like where 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 am i and i was just like i'm in a place where not everyone could be yeah yeah Th- that's where i am yeah. i'm in a place where not everyone could be and uh you know it, it it's very comforting yeah. because even if you don't even if you feel alone you realize you're not alone cuz there are a lot of other people that are oh, dealing oh yeah yeah you know yeah. And I, I just, it, it, you know, when, when we were talking about this podcast <clears throat> and I was like, you know, we're going to have guests and stuff. And I was like, I got so much going on to think about and talk about. We, we could talk for five hours, like literally, like yeah. it just, it just, there's so many things going on right now, Yeah. but it always comes back to our original conversations. And when we went to books and brews and we used to be at Scotty's, um, it all comes back to that. It, it's just that that core conversation that we would have, talking about leaving the corporate world and doing our own thing, yeah, and whatever that entailed, yeah. And you know, you don't know what it entails, yeah. yeah. And you know, and and so, you know, as we kind of to to wrap up here. Um, Anybody listening that that's got an idea, they want to do something. Um, one, you better have a passion for it. Yeah. To be honest, you better have a passion for it to be successful, um, unless you've just got a crazy, stupid, rare, once in a century <laughs> idea. You know that that's you know those people aside. Yeah. Um, you better have a passion for it. You better be able to challenge yourself. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of if you're scared, if you're nervous, if you're fearful, you're afraid, you lack confidence, don't let that stop you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, any small business owner that you talk to that has none of that come across to you, I assure you, they have all been in that. Yeah. They've all felt that. They've all been through it. Um, you just can't let it defeat you. Yeah. That's the that's the biggest thing is do not let it defeat you um, from a from a mental aspect. Uh, it's no pretty awkward. And then I'll take your check. Yeah. So. Um, 
as we wrap up, I guess we'll talk about since we're at Brewlink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I was you, you, you know, great minds think alike. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. So I've been sitting here and I've been sipping on, well, sipping, drinking, whatever the <laughs> Stone Cold Hazy. So we've um, we've uh, we usually just we open a tab and tell them keep them coming. So we've had the Stone Cold Hazy. I had the Hole in One, which is a um, a blueberry sour, and then. Um, uh, because I'm celebrating, um, I'm going to have a uh, Pretty Awkward, which is kind of a tangerine orange IPA. And uh, the good story, we're talking about small business, thing about the story about Blue Link, Brew Link is they started in Plainfield, um, and they had a, a really, really small location. Mm-hmm. And they were there for about six years. And it, it was, it was, thank you. It was real. I mean, the entire. It's basically the, the back end of a house on the side of a golf course. Yeah. Well, that's the new location. Oh, all right. The original. Yeah, please. Um, the original location would be from where we are to that wall. About, about 30 feet. Yeah. That, that <laughs> was the their, listeners. About 30 and, feet. Uh, by they, 15. they brewed all the same beers, they had no food. And to get pizza, there was a little scrappy little pizza shop across the street that yeah. you could order from, yep. and they delivered. Yeah, and it was good pizza, by the way. But uh, it was a—it was just a very local, homegrown place. So the town was doing expansion, and they were mm-hmm. going to put big uh, uh, Main Street, Plainfield apartments and condos and businesses. And they basically went to the owners and they said, "Well, we want you to do." X, Y, and Z. And we want you to serve this and do this and do that. And they're like, well, that's not, I mean, it's our business. Right. Like, we, we, we have our plans and we want to do this, this, and this. And they're like, well, we want you to be to do all of this. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, well, no, no, we, we will provide you a space, but we want this. And they were like, okay, we'll leave. Yeah. And they were, and then the, the town was like, well, you won't. You need, yeah. You need to be here, and they were like, "No, we'll go three miles out, yeah, and we will still be successful." And so they bought an old house and they refurbished it, and it was connected to the golf course. And there were all kinds of issues with like plumbing and water and cell and uh, 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 septic system, all that stuff. They went through all of that. And lo and behold, the people still came. Yeah. And and you connect to a golf course, which in the summer is probably really good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got event space, and they've got outdoor space and beer garden. And then they opened another place in Plainfield, which is a different concept. It's more mixology. Yeah. And that's been doing well. And then they took the deep dive. Like this is a deep dive. They, yeah. They took they took this to Indianapolis. So from the Donut County. Yep. where they were and where they stayed to the city and they bought uh, two deep breweries old place and they've been doing really really good and I, I personally it's one of my favorite breweries because I was there when they were just a seed you know yeah yeah and to see how well they've grown and and they really push their flavors a lot of their IPA flavors are really diverse and different and uh, Brewlink is just it's one of my favorite it really is like genuinely, this to me is one of our best places to do our podcast um, because their flavor palette is so broad 
And, you know, talking to Brad, uh, one of the things I complimented him on was even though they've grown to three places, their beer still tastes the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, oh, you guys are compromising to grow. And they, they didn't do food until they went to the, the golf course playing field location. Right. And, uh, you know, they, and they do scrappy bar food, you know, tacos, steak tacos, chicken tacos, fish tacos. Right. Stuff like that. But uh, it, it's, it's a tremendous it's a tremendous example of what small but mighty can be. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, think, I think really, I think the sky's the limit for these guys. Yeah. Really well, I'll tell you, in, in Indiana, um, right now, as odd as it is in Indiana, uh, it separates the, the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, in yep. brewing because uh-huh. we've got them all over the place. We've got microbrews all over the place. And it is—it's hard to realize because someone who grew up in Indiana, um, it, it's just hard to realize that that we are kind of on on the cutting edge of certain things. Yeah, you know. And you go to you go to Louisville. Louisville's got a couple microbrews. Yeah. You go to Nashville. Nashville's got a couple microbrews. Columbus has got a couple microbrews. Chicago's got a few microbrews. Mm-hmm. You know, their older school microbrews are much bigger, and they're not in the micro phrase anymore. Yeah. Um, but Indiana created this, and they and they did it, to be honest. The, the government does a few things right every now and then. They created some tax incentives for microbrews yeah. to build yeah. this in the state yeah. and allow them up to a certain size to have tax incentives and those sort of things. Um and it really created a, a good, nice mecca yeah. if you're in the microbrews in Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, and it's been, for the guys that make it, the guys that are successful, the guys that keep going, you know they have something. You know they have something because there's been several that's popped up that didn't make it, that yep. went under, and some of them were even good. Yeah. I mean, uh, three wise men that fed Scotty's yeah. had some good beers. Tow Yard was good. Tow Yard was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were some good ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. That had good beers that when you get into a competitive environment, the one good thing about business, um, which, you know, we'll wrap up by kind of going back to COVID, mm-hmm. of, you know, recently there was the, the headline of um, basically wiping out the patent on COVID vaccines and giving them to everybody. That was an idea of the the latest administration was basically saying because of the importance of COVID, we're going to wipe out the patent and give, you have to share your formula for your COVID vaccines so they can be mass produced for the globe. Okay. I got you. I get it. I get it. If you do that, you remove profit incentive. Yeah. And this is what, a certain segment of our society that is against capitalism doesn't understand. If there was not a profit incentive involved, yeah. we would be sitting here today yeah. with absolutely no vaccine. Yeah. Why did we break the Soviet Union? Yeah. Because there was no profit incentive in the Soviet Union. The U.S. was able to beat them hands down every time. And not to mention, you set a precedence for any lawsuit over... Uh, trademark infringement, copyright infringement. Yeah. I mean, you 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 just open you open the argument for someone to say, yep. "I needed it." 
Yep. Therefore, they shouldn't be allowed to be protected by it. Right, right. If you remove, the capitalism has one great thing, and it's the profit incentive. Yeah, yeah. It, and that's what incentivizes people to take risk to yep. create. Yep. You remove that, creation is gone. Yeah. Why is so much cyber espionage and theft come out of China? Because China controls their economy, yep. and they don't have a profit incentive. Yeah. And you will never have creation if you don't have a profit incentive. And and probably more theft and trademark infringement comes yes. from China than yes. anywhere in the yes. world. Because they're, they are about production. Yeah. Right. Cheap production. Yep. Cheap labor, cheap production. There's no profit incentive. They're not creators. Yeah. No. And, and that's... You know, not not to get on my, my high horse and my, my <laughs> box on the street corner and preaching, but you can't take away a profit incentive no. because it's the only thing that separates. It, it's the great misconception and misquote of money's the root of all evil. That's that's not what it says. That's not the verse. You know, the love of money yeah. is the root of all evil. Yeah. Money is not. Yeah. yeah, money and the creation of it is a very good incentive yeah. and it is a driver it yeah. is a it inspires what you use it for right is what creates the evil oh yeah you know some people use it to do good some people use it to do bad so everybody out there with your idea use it to do good change people's lives make the world a better place yeah let's grow kumbaya let's go sit around a campfire growth is good growth is good always is so uh until uh, next time, this is uh, uh, John Nodwin signing off. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope that somewhere down through here we inspire somebody to take a leap, to jump off that diving board and take a chance. And chew glass uh, as you fall through chew. the abyss. <laughs> yeah. So walk into that diving board, throw a handful of crushed glass in your mouth, and jump. If you can figure it out before you hit the water, you know what? Life will be good. Amen to that. That's good. Oh, man.